Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. Wonk, I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. The Tim Graham Show. I did old, uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. I did have an accident with a menorah Here we once. Go. On Twitter at 1270, a fan. Wet mall. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh-oh. You're going to need a bigger boat. Well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham. You're not Chinese. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. This is the August 28, 2019 Year of Our Lord edition of the Tim Graham Show, and it's different than all the others. Different than all the others because we are introducing a new title sponsor. Oh, yeah. The good folks at Shampoo Travis Bison Kirshner, CPAs. Yeah. Business consultants based in Amherst. They're going to be the title sponsor of the Tim Graham Show moving forward. We're excited to have them. Uh, you'll be hearing some ads for them uh, here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan as we get moving on it. But I'm excited to have that in place for the football season. I know that uh, they are too. And uh, looking forward to working with them. Um, it's uh, We've been working on it for a few weeks. And glad that we're able to finally uh, put that together. Uh, but that's business. That's business. People don't tune in uh, to listen to that part of it. Well, hell, hell, if you want to call in and ask us about it, I, yeah. I'll be happy to answer any questions you have. But we have Matthew Fairburn here in studio, and we have a Bills preseason football game to talk about tomorrow, if we choose. I don't know if we want to talk about it. I'm thinking about not attending it. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. The fourth preseason game, we don't expect to learn much. Uh, the starters will not play, uh, as you've written about before. We talked about just last week on the show when we, t- when we discussed your uh, 53-man roster projection. There aren't a lot of spots up for grabs. Unless this you t- listen to Sean McDermott. Well, yeah, then there are 53. All 53. <laughs> a lot. 61, if you want to count the practice. Or no, wait. Uh, 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 63. Unless, well, one is not up for grabs. Yeah, that's... That's Christian Wade uh, has that freebie spot uh, that gives the Bills 11 practice squatters this year. Um, Jonah Bronstein's here. He's handling things for uh, Periscope. You can see a video of the Tim Graham show brought to you by Shampoo Travis Bison Kirshner. Kind of like Smurfs. And all previous Tim Graham shows uh, on Periscope. So uh, we tweet out the link uh, for that. Take a look. Uh, you can uh, click on that and check it out a little bit. Also, uh, download the show on SoundCloud or iTunes uh, after the fact. Uh, once the show is uh, completed, we podcast that bastard up and slap it online for you to listen to at your convenience. So uh, what can we possibly learn uh, Thursday night? Uh, and maybe uh, it's more educational and insightful to check out UB football against Robert Morris, but probably not. UB is a 45-and-a-half or 46-and-a-half point favorite. It's up to 48. 48 now against Robert Morris. Robert Morris, their nickname, Jonah? Colonels. 
Mm. Colonials, Colonials. Close, yeah. The Colonials, they play in the Northeast Conference, which is the old Division One AA. And uh, I know this from writing the story about Jake Dolagala, who came from Central Connecticut, that uh, the Northeast Conference has never produced an NFL quarterback. Uh, in fact, I think there is, I don't know, I have to go back and look. But they, they do not have a pedigree of producing football players. So UB uh, should handle Robert Morris at home tomorrow night in Amherst. Um, Jonah, Robert Morris also one of the bottom teams in that right. Northeast Conference. Yeah, they had a losing record last year. Um, I looked it up. I wanted to see who their notable alumni were. Uh, who is the most famous Robert Morris uh, football product? That I don't know, but there is a local connection with Robert Morris we can get into after you, uh, you know, drop your little trivia knowledge here. Rapper Wale had a carry for Robert Morris. Whoa, one one really? carry for I didn't one know he yard. Football. Yeah, he ended up playing a little bit at Virginia State also. It's puny. One yard, that's it? One carry, one yard. He played five games. And uh, I couldn't find his Virginia State stats. But anyway, if you want to go by a pure football player, Hank Fraley played in the NFL for 10 years, now coaching in the NFL as uh, he was a center. Um, he played at Robert Morris. That's about it. Well, while we're talking about Robert Morris, longtime women's basketball coach there was Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame member Sale Biscalia who was at UB and Hilbert College before going to Robert Morris. And his son, Charlie Biscalia, is now the head coach since uh, Sal Biscalia had retired. And how does that affect the point spread tomorrow against UB? I don't think it's a major factor, but, you know, the the gamblers like all the information they can get before making their decisions. That's true. So UB, big big favorite tomorrow night. The Bills, big irrelevant tomorrow night. Bills are a dog. The Bills can go four and zero for the first time in franchise history in the preseason. They've never done it. In fact, they've they've been three and zero only one other time in franchise history, nineteen sixty six. So, if you want some preseason pride, maybe you root. What's the point spread, Matt? The Vikings are favored by three, largely because of Kyle Sloter. Have you heard of this man? No. He's one of the great preseason quarterbacks of all time. He's in year three. He's currently – he has three touchdowns this preseason and four incomplete passes. He's completing 85% of his passes. Sloter v. Jackson. Tyree Jackson's going to play, well, I guess probably the whole game. We're expect He's going to start. If Sean he starts, McDermott then he'll play the whole now, game. Yeah, you're probably not going to bring in Matt Barkley, although Matt Barkley better stay loose in case there's an injury. Uh, so you're going to see Tyree Jackson, who has not looked good – in his preseason games. Uh, This will be the final uh, audition for him. Uh, Probably the last time you see him at New Era Field in pads. Uh, I would expect him, and we discussed this last week, I would expect him to make the practice squad, uh, but uh, maybe not. He would have to clear waivers. Uh, I doubt another team would pick him up, but who knows? Maybe he doesn't feel like he has a chance here in Buffalo and wants to sign with somebody else's practice squad. You, you never know how that's going to go. But Tyree Jackson, uh, the university at Buffalo quarterback, uh, is going to have his most extended opportunity to make an impression uh, tomorrow night against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so your storylines, Matt. Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. I would say 
the main storyline revolves around the wide receiver position and what happens with the final couple of spots there. You know, Duke Williams had another big game last week and probably is inching closer to earning a roster spot, but I don't think he's locked that in quite yet. Isaiah McKenzie is still in the mix. And then they have to kind of sort out what they're going to do with their practice squad. And, you know, I think that's the main, you know, focus going into this game. You're also going to see a lot of guys. If you remember when we were in Chicago last year, you saw 40 something guys that were part of a, a pregame workout and they didn't dress. And that gave you at least a hint as to, all right, these guys are locks. I know Sean McDermott says 53 spots are up for grabs tomorrow night, but I would say it's closer to three or four, if that. It'll be interesting to see, as you say, Matt, who doesn't play, because those are the guys that uh, the Bills will say we've seen enough, and that's not to say we've seen enough, you're no good, because you need enough guys to get you through the game. So if you're in uniform tomorrow night, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And we could see Zay Jones in uniform tomorrow night. But if you're not in uniform tomorrow night and you're healthy, that probably means that the Bills are, have seen enough and uh, that you've made the squad. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's probably the biggest hint we'll get going into cutdown weekend, more so than how people play. But like you know, we've mentioned, there are things that can happen that can change things. Robert Foster had a huge game in the fourth preseason game last year, and they didn't feel like they could sneak him onto the practice squad, so they kept him on the 53-man roster. So it's not as if this game is entirely meaningless for some of these guys. And let's face it, some of these guys, this might be the last time they ever put on an NFL uniform. And, you know, 37 of them are going to lose their jobs over the weekend. And so it means a little something for those guys. But in terms of the the grand scheme of things it it's been a long preseason I, I feel like it's mercifully coming to an end here because you're really pulling teeth to try to come up with legitimate you know meaningful storylines for this football team going into their finale also a short week so you'll that extra reason for Sean McDermott and the Bills coaching staff and the front office to want to rest the players that they deem most important. Uh, They did play extended period uh, in uh, Detroit against the Lions in that third preseason game, some of them going into the third quarter. So short turnaround, and then you want to get ready for the regular season, so all the more reason not to play anybody who's who's going to be first, second string. Uh, But like I said, just because you see somebody in uniform on the sidelines – uh, on uh, Thursday night doesn't mean that their roster spots in jeopardy. They do need to dress enough guys to play. Uh, but I think that if you see somebody playing the whole game or playing for a long time, that is a bad, bad sign. Uh, a little bit of Bill's news, uh, Stephen Hauschka, uh, the kicker, uh, maybe in my opinion, the best kicker in Bill's history, maybe not in terms of all-time scoring or anything like that, but the most powerful leg uh, that I've seen uh, with the Bills and clearly uh, prior to uh, to me covering them. That was like Scott Norwood. And, you know, Steve Christie had a nice leg, but Stephen Hauschka is on a different level. Uh, the Bills signed him to a two-year contract extension, so any jitters uh, or anxiety that Bills fans had about Stephen Hauschka missing a couple of field goals during the preseason, the Bills certainly don't share that. I wrote about that for The Athletic about a week and a half ago. 
and uh, the Bills coming through with a two-year contract extension worth a reported $8 million. So uh, the kicking position is cemented. Uh, but the punting position, surprised Matt that uh, Corey Carter gets cut, uh, but that Corey Bajorquez seems to be the winner in this job, that they didn't bring in somebody else. Corey Carter was having some knee discomfort or knee soreness. And so, okay, if, if the competition, if he can't help the competition, he, I understand why he was released. But I'm somewhat surprised that the Bills didn't bring in another punter because Bajorquez has been inconsistent. I think they might wait until after roster cuts and, and see what the waiver wire holds. Right now, the only you know experienced guy out there, or the biggest name out there, is Ryan Allen, who the Patriots cut recently. But I would think after waiver, you know, after the the first round of cuts over the weekend, that there will be a punter who could be an upgrade. And Sean McDermott didn't exactly heavily endorse Corey Bajorquez in his press conference the other day. You know, he said he turned a bit of a corner, but that they still want to see more from him and he's still competing and uh, all the other various bits of word salad he threw out there. But I, I do think they're still very much going to be in the market for a punter. And that could be, it seems like, you know, since I've been here, they've done a lot of that even in season. If they're not happy with the punter, they'll get rid of him. They're not shy about swapping out at that position. The, the only reason you would be is because th- that guy's also holding for Steven Hauschka, but if he's a big money kicker worth an extension, then it, it shouldn't really matter who's holding the football. I'll disagree with you there. I think that if you don't have the right guy holding the ball, it could really jam you up as a kicker, and that's a discussion I had one time with Jay Feely when he was with the Miami Dolphins and I was covering them, or I think maybe he's with the Jets, and I was maybe at ESPN covering the, the division. And he was mentioning that just a little bit of displacement by that holder. The holder really can, this was kind of a, the, the, the rabbit hole we went down, is that if you're in a competition and the punter uh, doesn't like you, he could really screw you over and your chances to make the team by, by doing things that cannot even be picked up by video replay or the film, the coach's <laughs> film, because it's that subtle. Like if he just moves it a little bit or doesn't put, or doesn't spin it the right way uh, that, yeah. And he can make you miss. So, um, so maybe there's I a do case think to be matters. made. They should not screw around with their big money kicker. If you're going to invest in a kicker, make sure he's he's happy with who's absolutely holding the ball. Let him pick uh, and and deal with a little erraticism on the punting when you know you can almost get a guaranteed uh, three points from sixty yards in, which is the way when Stephen Hauschka is right, he's the most accurate kicker from fifty plus in NFL history. I think he certainly holds the record for the most consecutive fifty yard field goals made. Um, so yeah, you don't want to mess with that. It's uh, I wonder if the timing of the contract extension has anything to do with that. You know, maybe the, the timing punnings... of the contract extension is interesting because I'm not sure what the rush was to get it done. I know he was, you know, scheduled to be a free agent, but he is what 34 years old and he's a kicker. Maybe um, it is a mental thing, though. It's it too, could like, be. hey, we don't want you to have to worry about that next contract. We're going to sign you to this two-year deal now. Get the contract or your job security out of your head. Uh, maybe <laughs> I mean. I am. I don't take myself this seriously as to think, but Stephen Hauschka is the kind of guy who thinks 
oh, and probably overthinks every aspect of everything on on the planet. You know, probably, you know, uh, what molecules are, are doing uh, within his sphere. You know, within arm's length of you know, what different air pockets around him and smells and what they mean and how that might affect his his livelihood or his well being. Uh, Tim Graham daring to ask you, are you mentally okay? Is the type of thing that might get into a kicker's head where he's like, now, damn it, now I'm thinking about now that. I'm not. Yeah, I was, I was fine until you started asking the general manager if he has faith in me. Um, no, I, I'm sure that that's not any part of it. But I, but to a more generic sense, that could be about peace of mind just to get it out of his head. Stephen Hauschka is one of a handful of players that were seemingly handpicked by Sean McDermott when he first got here. One of you know the the first guys they brought into the locker room, and he, he has a big place in that locker room in that leadership you know contingent. That could be part of it, but if he starts the season the way he looked at times in the preseason, you're going to be sitting there saying, "Why didn't we wait?" But I think to your point, it could be as simple as telling him not to worry about it. Cap space isn't a huge issue. It's worth it to maybe you know, get his head right going into the season and take out all the variables from the equation because with kickers, there are so many. And when he got, when he took that hit, his body didn't feel quite right at the end of last season and it was throwing him off in almost every aspect of his game. So you don't want to have a kicker problem and the Bills haven't had one and they're they're probably hoping that, you know, this contract extension will help Ensure they don't have one this year and for years to come. And for Bills fans who like to turn off their brains uh, for the offseason and maybe you don't recollect the exact play we're talking about, New York Jets uh, special teamer Henry Anderson delivered a malicious blindside hit on Steven Hauschka while uh, play was going on after a blocked kick and a recovery. Uh, there was a scramble for the ball, and there was a return involved, and so Hauschka was kind of standing there, maybe jogging a little bit towards the play, and Henry Anderson came by and just slobber-knocked him and totally threw him off for the rest of the, the season, and his uh, he made only six of his last 11 field goal attempts, uh, and uh, it was a it was something to worry about, and so he we were curious as to whether or not he brought that into the preseason with him, and that was the uh, tenor of the story that I wrote uh, for the Athletic a week and a half ago. Is is everything okay with that? He he uh, insisted that the injury was well behind him, and uh, blamed any inconsistencies that he was having this preseason to working with different holders, uh, Corey Carter and Corey Bohorquez on different days. Uh, the first game had one uh, one punter was the holder. The second game was another punter. So uh, now he can work with Corey Bohorquez uh, on a regular basis. One thing that I do recall, just as a matter point of order, is that when the Bills have changed out punters in the past, as you mentioned, Matt, um, there has been a talk of whether or not that can really screw with a punter or with a kicker uh, having to work with a new holder. But I think that they seem to iron those things out within just a couple of days. That's not something that takes weeks to do. It's you know, once they get into a, a rhythm. It's it, any any new punter that's come in, Hauschka hasn't seemed to have trouble with it. No, he hasn't. And it's when I don't know when it changed. It, it used to be that there would be some backup quarterbacks who would handle that 
that role maybe for that reason. Uh, and it switched to punters at some point and almost Because they always work together. And it's be you don't want your backup quarterback uh, or whomever. You know, sometimes it would even be a receiver, you know, back way back in the day. And what they do is, hey, you guys are always together. When we do our team, you do you can come over when we do our special teams, but otherwise you guys go work together. We're going to need this backup quarterback to run some plays. Yeah, do something. Yeah, he's, and he can't spend half of his practice chasing around the kickers. Uh, a little Remember bit Tony more, Romo? With, uh, he, for sure. he was a holder. Uh, Didn't go so well. No, it did not. A little more Bills news for you. Uh, Bills uh, tweeting out that uh, DeAndre Wesley has been waived with an injury settlement, and they've placed uh, Mike Love on injured reserve. So Mike Love, a player that a lot of people liked, and we're curious if he was able to make that next step this year. It will not happen in 2019. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear from Joe Stasniak, and that's a name you're like, Joe Stasniak, where have I heard that from? He was an offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, uh, played in uh, the Super Bowl against Washington, uh, and uh, he later went on and became a regular uh, for a few years with the Indianapolis Colts. He was a starter for them at guard and remained in Indianapolis, uh, where he hosts the morning show there. And uh, when he, we come back, we're going to talk to Joe a little bit about Andrew Luck. He is all talked out about Andrew Luck. He's sick of the subject, quite frankly. But that's not why I wanted to talk to him anyway. I'm going to talk to him about Chad Kelly and where this guy is all of a sudden from going to a position where he was out of the NFL and people are wondering if he's going to have to wait for the XFL to come around so he can get another shot to now being, well, not to be dramatic, but one heartbeat away from starting quarterback in the National Football League. So uh, Joe Stasniak, when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. To be excited. Reintroducing the hostess. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. Oh, I got it. It's one of those deals where I ha- pull it halfway out. I try to get it in uh, before uh, traffic and weather together on the nines. <laughs> play by play in Western New York is exclusively on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. People losing their load over Josh Allen. That's not, that doesn't get me off. That doesn't get me off the go ahead and jot down that time, too, bud. On Twitter, at 1270, The Fan. My fifth year incoming altar boy class, I think, was bigger and better than any other class. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants located in Amherst, the new title sponsor of the Tim Graham Show. Great to have them. I got to get used to saying it, though. I didn't say it before we went to the break, so my apologies to the good folks at Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. It's a mouthful. It is. Well, they do go by CTBK. And you'll be hearing that in the ads. So we're going to hammer that. But people are going to say, well, what is CTBK? You know what it is? It's Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner is what it is. 25 years. They're celebrating their silver anniversary this year. Proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. It's not just limited to Western New York, Matt. How they, far beyond? Well, as far as you want to go. I mean, 
they specialize in human connection. They want to bridge technology. Everybody wants to do things uh, through their technology nowadays. So where you never meet or talk to anybody. You never, no face-to-face, no over the phone. It's just everything's done on a some sort of interface. They specialize in human connections. That's what they want to do. They also like to emphasize that they have a bullish approach to their clients' goals and visions. You know what else? What else? No surprises in the billing. They have a billing policy where there'll be no surprises. You get heads up on everything when it comes to the billing. At Shampoo Travis Bisaw and Kirshner. No hidden fees, none of that stuff. This has turned into a full-fledged promo. I might as well give the phone number. 716-830-2400. That's 716-830-2400. Reach out to Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. My tongue wants to do like Z and Sh sounds in there, though. Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. CTBK. That's a lot. Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. I think you should do. It's that Besaw because there's a sh in the Shampo, then the Travis, and then B, and then I know that there's a Kirshner coming up. My brain knows there's another sh sound coming up. Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. Yeah, I could, I could see where that trips you up. Besaw, maybe, or be sure. You just got to get your tongue used to it. I do. Happy to have him aboard. CTBK. Where was I? Oh. We're joined now by former Bills offensive lineman, played for the Bills in a Super Bowl, went on to be a three-year starter and play nine years in the NFL. Oh, I'm sorry, three-year starter with the Indianapolis Colts, playing a total of nine years in the NFL. Stuck around Indianapolis, where he hosts a morning show there. And uh, we're joined now by Joe Stasniak. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Tim. Anything to talk about quarterback play here that talk, is actually about a quarterback that plays. A guy who's still on the roster. Right. I mean, I'm not going to ask you about Andrew Luck per se. Anybody who wants to find out about his injury situation or getting booed off the field there as he was leaving uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, they can they can find that, and they probably have already uh, digested all of it. But what has it been like to cover? What is the mood like in Indianapolis after uh, Andrew Luck, A, retiring, and then the city kind of getting beaten up for the reaction that was captured on national television? Yeah, the city, the city being uh, castrated by a bunch of guys who've never played and who don't have a single... Uh, uh, you know, don't have a, a bit of stake in, in buying season tickets or weren't uh, thrown to the side just a, a few years ago by Paul George in the same way. Guys that read teleprompters and have no clue as to what's really going on. So I, I disregard any any uh, expertise they want to put forward. It's a bunch of baloney anyway. And uh, no, I, I get back to our fans and you're damn right. That's the way. Think about that, though, Tim. You know how the preseason's gone. We we get a uh, Frank Wright gets a call from Matt Nagy and says, "Hey, I'm not going to play my starters." Uh, and Frank's like, "Uh, okay. Well, then I guess I can't play mine either. I was really hoping that Jacoby Brissett could probably get a few more plays here and we could get some work. But if you're not playing your starters, I'm not either." 
And these and, and and this is you know this is Chicago Bears. So before the Colts moved to town in 1984, a lot of Bears fans here. So they had a lot of people buying tickets so that they could see the closest thing to a real game because that's what we we become accustomed to. So uh, I think with that, I, I I think the great thing is those fans that were booing were the ones that paid their money, season ticket holders that were there at the end of the fourth quarter of a in a game that nobody played in, and uh, they're the same folks that will be there. Uh, in the fourth quarter when it's third and ten and you need a sack or you need a stop and they're the ones going to be yelling and going crazy helping your team win a game. They're they're passionate and there are a lot of fan bases like that. I, I mean, I spent a lot of great years in Buffalo where, you know, it, it was because of the fans we were so success, successful. So to, to throw the fans on the bus and tell them they're poor sports or whatever else, you fork over your, that kind of money. And your only recourse, I, I didn't say follow the guy to his house. I didn't say be derog- to yell, you know, uh, defamatory things, you know, towards his family or anything like that. I'm just saying if you're at a game, you're damn right you got an opportunity to boo, and you should boo because that hits home more than anything else. Uh, you know, and, and believe me, it's never good to be booed on your own home field, but I've been a part of a few teams that that's happened to. But you know what? It brings about change. And it brings about better things. It's not guys. Guys who hold that as a grudge are guys that don't deserve to be in the league because your thin and skin is way too thin to even participate. We're in conversation with former Bills offensive lineman Joe Stasniak, who co-hosts Jeff and Big Joe on WFNI ESPN one hundred seven point five in Indianapolis every morning. And uh, and Joe, just a point to make about that: uh, the booing. <laughs> I found it distasteful, uh, but I understood it. You know, you just re- you just gave us all the reasons why, and I think that that's not Indianapolis fans. That would be thirty-two fan bases would have done the same thing, Absolutely. roughly. And I find it amusing because Bills fans, uh, who mostly are you know uh, who follow me on Twitter, uh, I I tweeted out and used the quotation mark fans, you know, as as uh, to the video clip of Andrew Luck coming off the field. And I wasn't making fun of Indianapolis, but I had a lot of Bills fans saying that would never happen in Buffalo. And I thought to myself, I have seen, I have actually been in the stadium when Bills fans erupted in cheers when Rob Johnson got hurt. I've, I've right. seen fans do crazy things against their own players uh, just because they've uh, they're tired of seeing the guy play, you know. Let alone, uh, you know what the whatever their wishes are uh, for a win loss record. You know, people get emotionally invested. They invest their money, and uh, hey, look, it, that's uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, another, let's get into Chad Kelly, because like, I think that this is a fascinating topic that may take us some time uh, to get into the nuance of it. Of course. Chad Kelly coming from St. Joe's here in uh, Western New York and and getting removed from pretty much every program he was in with the exception of Ole Miss uh, and now sticks with Indianapolis and he he he's going to be the second string quarterback over Philip Walker isn't he Yes absolutely yeah he just has a two game suspension so you have to go through this you know now you, for sure because that was a question do we keep all four guys and knowing that Chad would be on that suspended list, he wouldn't count towards your 53. He's definitely going to make this team, and then they would make a decision. But he has just been phenomenal. Uh, there have been only a handful of bright spots, and by a handful, it might even be a child fan. There really haven't been that many unbelievable you know, guys that just really sparked and, and really shone like uh, like Chad did. Uh, and, and, and so he's, he's been fantastic, and I think that's, that's what might make the whole Andrew Luck thing a little bit easier to take, that 
you know, I know Jacoby's a backup, but I, I know Colts management feels he's a, probably a top 20 quarterback. I think he could start somewhere in the league, especially you start looking around at some of the teams in this league and their starting quarterbacks. I think Jacoby definitely could start at other places. And now the way Chad has played, and, and I got to be honest with you, Tim, when, when we went out the first couple of days of camp and we're set up and we're doing our radio show, the way we set up was right where the quarterbacks came out and warmed up. You know, the, the first thing, the stretching and everything, because they do things a little bit different than the rest of the team as they get ready to do their drills. And I wasn't all that impressed with Chad, not not just body posture, but, you know, the way they were throwing the ball back and forth and everything. And I'm going to tell you what, I could not have been more wrong once the lights came on in the stadium and he got an opportunity to get out there and play. Not only is leading the team in, in rushing yards, more rushing yards than any of even our running backs and everything, but he's been able to complete passes at a 72% clip. And that's that's playing threes and fours. That's playing twos and threes. You know, no no one time yet, no, no getting to play against starters, but he's done it in every situation that he's had. And he's really helped some of these guys shine a little bit. Deion Kane, who, who was a draft choice that ended up with a knee injury last year, and we expected, uh, you know, a lot of him last year to kind of be one of those surprise guys. And he had a great preseason before he got hurt. Well, you know, he had all offseason. He came back, and, and now Deion Kane is the guy that's leading, you know, leading the team not only in receptions with yards, and, and one of them was a 46-yard hookup that he had with Chad. So Chad has done everything that's been asked of him, then some, and he has really, really got fans excited that Jacoby's going to have a, is going to have a pretty decent backup going forward. And then you start thinking, Jacoby's contract's up after this year. You know, is he the franchise quarterback going forward? Or, you know, if Jacoby finds other pastures, where, where does Jack Kelly figure into this mix? But, you know, to take a chance on him because of the character issues that, that Frank and, and Chris Ballard did uh, certainly are paying off in, in the preseason because, like I said, he has been fantastic off the field, but he's even been better on the field. And, and that's really – I'm glad to see that for a kid that, uh, you know, got a second chance. Talking to seven-year offensive lineman Joe Stasniak, spent three years with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, two as a starter at right guard, and uh, stuck around Indianapolis and uh, has a broadcasting career there, uh, has covered the Colts extensively. Uh, and Joe, uh, what do you think went into that reconciliation with the Colts front office, with Frank Reich? Was it as simple as, uh, you know, I was Jim Kelly's backup, Jim and I are close, uh, I think that I can handle this kid or maybe bring him along uh, where other teams might uh, be hesitant. Uh, but there was also a bit of a no-tolerance type policy for character issues. And, uh, you know, Frank Reich has been so high on character and, and uh, trying to build a team that thinks the right way and acts the right way. Where was this, where did Chad Kelly fall in, in when it came to, all right, he comes in, he tries out, I think twice, uh, and then finally they sign him. Yeah, Chris Ballard, obviously, when he came here, he came from Kansas City, and they had just signed guys like uh, Tyreek Hill, who you know had some issues, uh, Kareem Hunt, obviously. Um, there there were some questionable character guys there, that the cornerback, um, Peters, I think, that uh, that had some issues, and so that was one of the things when he came here. We asked Chris about that, and he goes, "You know what? One of the things we did, we fully vetted these guys, and we thought they were they were reasonable uh, guys that were you, you could take a reasonable chance on them, uh, but they had to earn their way. And obviously, things in the in the last year over there in Kansas City kind of blew up. But Chris kind of learned his lesson about doing due diligence and and." 
you know, maybe taking the word of somebody uh, that he trusts, that somebody that would vouch. And I think that's the thing more than anything. After uh, Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, didn't want to come here anymore, and, you know, it's, it's got to piss Chris off at that point. you got everything all set. You've been waiting weeks to get this guy in here, and he tells you no. Uh, it, it really fired him up and just, you know, okay, off with you and on to the next, and he redid the search. And I think he was just absolutely floored at how good of a guy Frank was and how quality of a guy that Frank was. And it became a no-brainer that Frank should be the next head coach because he, he checked all the boxes. Now, the, first, the thing with Frank was, you know, he wasn't available for that first go-round. He wanted to do nothing but worry about the Philadelphia Eagles and the Super Bowl and everything. He didn't want to, he didn't want to get involved in any, any kind of distraction that would be involved in interviewing for a job. So it really just kind of fell in his lap. And I think just from then on, really from the time they sat down and had that first meeting, the first interview and that, that there became a, a, a respect between the two of them, and they glow about each other all the time, and not just the lip service that you always give to your boss or you know whatever that you're going to have. There, there's a genuine appreciation for the approach to the game that both of them have, and I think with Frank coming up and knowing Frank and what it's just, I mean, a godly guy and just a, a great family guy and all that kind of stuff, if you can have Frank say, you know what, I, I think this kid's worth a second shot, a second try, you know, it's like looking into Frank's eyes. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. And, and it wasn't one of those things either with Chris where, okay, but this is on you. I think it was one of those things where, you know what? I agree. We see some of the same things. And I think, you know, there, there's a possibility here, you know, for this kid. And I don't think it hurt too that, you know, Philip Walker was, was the fourth quarterback going in there, the third quarterback, I should say. And then they added, uh, Chad, but you know, Philip was a, just a practice squad guy here the last several years. And because of the AFC South, he was a perfect Deshaun Watson. He was a perfect Blake Bortles. You know, he's a perfect uh, Marcus Mariota, mobile quarterback could get around. He could give the team a good look. But as far as being in the preseason and actually playing, Philip Walker's just never really developed. He's not a big guy at all. I think he's sub six foot. And uh, I, I think they kind of realize that that's really one of the positions they need to get better at and, and improve on. And Chad just seemed to fit the bill. And, yeah, why not? Let's give him a shot. What are we out if it doesn't work out? And, man, he has taken every opportunity and, and, and just grabbed the bull by the horns on this thing. And it has really looked good, and I'm happy for him in that. Joe, that's actually an interesting wrinkle because you think about what a backup quarterback has to do. And depending on where you are on the depth chart, one of those jobs is running the scout team. And Chad Kelly is the type of quarterback that can give you any look because he does have the arm and he is mobile. He could probably replicate a good chunk of maybe every quarterback in the league uh, in terms of whatever offense you want to put out there for your first-team defense to practice against during the week. But now he's the second-string quarterback. Now he might not be able to run the scout team uh, because he's going to have to you know, take a, his handful of reps uh, during, during the practice week. To say that Chad is mobile is an understatement. That's this a fact. Kid, That's a fact. His, his 33-yard touchdown run that he had, uh, what was it, week one, I believe, he he pulled away from the defensive back that was chasing him. No, it, 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 the kid is athletic beyond, I think, what a lot of us thought about. And and then you go back and see that he threw for, you know, 100,000 yards in college. And I know there are a lot of stops along the way, but, no, the kid is accomplished when it comes to – you know, actual playing time. So it's not like he's a scrub. He broke he SEC kind of records. And Absolutely. in his first season with Ole Miss, he broke SEC. And I know that the SEC is not, 
there have been some pretty impressive quarterbacks. It's the best conference in the country and the most important position in the country, and he, he broke records. You're absolutely right, and I think a lot of folks forgot about that because all they thought about was the baggage. And when you get past that, you start you know, unlocking some of these other things. The kid seems like he's pro-ready. Now, I'm, I'm not saying he would go in there if something would happen to Jacoby and he'd trip off the plane or something. you got to play the Chargers in week one. You know, he's, gonna, he's a guy that's going to throw for 400 yards in his first game. But I think the thing is, as we look at our quarterback situation here, he's certainly capable of doing some of those things. And the other thing, the decisions that he's made with the ball have been, have been really, really good. He's got a single uh, – he's got an interception – and that was a ball that was actually completed, and our tight end got it taken away from him. So he's been making, he's been accurate with the football, uh, and he's made the decisions with it. He was sacked five times, so he's been getting up for those, and that's because the offensive line has not been good here. Our second and third string lines have not been good at all for him, but he's still standing in the pocket. He delivered another pass uh, in one of the games in which he just flat out got, got slammed right, right in the kisser as he let go of the ball. So he's willing to stand in there, deliver it. He's got a great arm. He also has touch. But when he tucks the ball and runs, dare I say it, he looks a lot like Andrew Luck as far as being, you know, the double threat that way and be able to run and throw the football. 68% of his passes against the Bills, 71% against Cleveland, uh, 76% against Chicago. So 72% for the entire preseason for Chad Kelly and some uh, some nice runs too. Before I let you go, Joe, I said I was going to do this. Um, I was uh, before we came in uh, from the break. I, I said that I was pulling up your uh, Pro Football Reference page, to which you said I have one. Everybody who's played in the NFL has one, Joe. So you are on here. And in fact, anybody who's ever been drafted, you were drafted in the seventh round by the San Diego Chargers. That's correct. I right. think we might as well fact check it, right, while we're at it. Sure. Uh, there you go. It says Midview High is on here. You can click on Midview. There's a link. You can see all the other greats that have come out of Midview High School in Ohio, uh, Ohio State. It has all the number of games you started, uh, uh, wow. games played and games started, the jersey numbers that you wore with each team. Uh, the only uh, offensive linemen don't get a lot of stats, um, but I'm looking here and I do see that you have a fumble in 1994, uh, oh, a fumble yeah. for, uh, oh, you also have two fumble recoveries. I'm guessing those are off, you know, quarterback, like botch snaps or something. Well, I guess that could be running backs too, but you have a fumble and two fumble recoveries. Was there a play where you picked up a fumble and then fumbled it away? I don't remember fumbling but uh, no, the one the, the one fumble recovery I had was was going to be my claim to fame. We were in the AFC Championship game. We're in Pittsburgh, and this is uh, you know. Oh, Jim I see Harbaugh's this here. Now that that was all regular season stats. So now I see it here. Yeah, nineteen ninety five season. Yeah, uh, you this played. Is, this is the AFC Championship game, and uh, Lamont Warren had fumbled after he, he broke off a run and was like fifteen yards downfield or something. And and if he had he. He just got tripped up, and if he could have gotten past this this one player, it was gone for the touchdown. We win the game. We're going to the Super Bowl, and and at some point during that game, there was a fumble, and it was down the field, and and I went down and like you know I I'm not stupid, you know I I, I hung around Will Wolford long enough to know that you don't want to you know you don't need to be the hero at all. Just jump on the damn football, <laughs> right? And so I was kind of alone. So it really wasn't that other than being in the right place. Right Fans time, do love like to that. see the fat guy run, though. Yeah, yeah, not not this fat guy. I just wanted the ball. We wanted to make sure we retained possession and had a chance to win. 
And, uh, you know, we, we kept going back to that. We ended up obviously getting beat then, you know, late in the game. And uh, uh, a lot of people come up to me is like, man, if we would have won the game, you would have been – you gone down in, uh, you know, the annals of, of having, a you know, the, the key play, uh, you know, during the game and that. So, no, this, this is my life. I mean, you know, it's uh, – I, I've, I've been shunned by uh, even the Bills uh, staff over there. Scott Birch told uh, I'm the only guy to ever be on the Super Bowl team and not get my name in the program, and I was the only guy to even play in the Super Bowl. This was uh, 26, actually played in 26, and, and was the only guy to not get my picture in the program. So Scott Birch told over there what? has got something in for me. I think it's the red hair. I think it's the Illini thing in him not loving the Ohio State thing in, in me, and he's, he's shunned me all these years. But that's okay. I don't hold a grudge. It's a scandal. No burden. I, I'm fine. I'm one, fine. One quick thing to maybe address. There might be a mistake here. I, I find this hard to believe. It lists, uh, it has offensive line penalties on here. It'll break down your personal penalties. Do you, oh, no. Well, that's we, a large number. <laughs> it's, it only lists you as having one penalty in your career. This can't be correct. It gives you a uh, false start in 1995. No, I, I was I was a jittery guy. I think I have more than that. I think I have more than that. And I don't know that I've ever gotten – I should have gotten called for a holding on Junior Seau one time. Oh, wait. But we ended up completing the touchdown, and I didn't, so that was good. I'm sorry. You did. I click, you click on a link, and it takes you to a way more detailed page. How about, <laughs> how about 13 accepted penalties for 99 yards? You almost cracked yeah, 100 yards. Well, and one of the guys uh, that lives here in town is is an NFL official, and I credit him for the yellow curtains and bedspreads that I used with all the times he threw flags on me. So, yeah, uh, Mark Baltz uh, is a retired official, and he teases me all the time that, you know, he was responsible for, for putting my bedroom together. So, uh, no, I got called a few times. But, but a clean player. I, you, of your 13 I, penalties, uh, five false starts and eight holding. Yeah. There's no uh, there's no uh, unnecessary roughness or personal fouls or cheap shot or a clip or none of that. No, I didn't really get into that. And a lot of that was helping Wolford out, too. I just want to make that a point, you know, the holding when I'm going to make you know, sure he gets a go around. I'm going to make sure I sent, I text him a link to this show. <laughs> I, I actually had exchanged some texts with him in the past week. I'm going to make sure that he he gets this. Uh, otherwise, you might not know. You might be making these. You might be ribbing him for for no good if he, he you might as well hear it if you're going to do it. Hey, I will say hey. this: you mentioned too that you're Google. You didn't Google or you don't Google yourself. Uh, nothing comes up really, so there's no no scandal. In fact, the, uh, in your uh, at the end of your Wikipedia page, this is about as sensationalized as it gets. Joe Stasniak resides in Brownsburg, Indiana, where he enjoys giving back to the community and spending time with his wife and children. Wow, that's, that, that's kind of corny. You're going to have to leave. Why have spruce, that guy on? He's boring. Spruce that up. See what you can well, do I about. I don't know why. See, now, Tim, I'm an eating champion. I've actually finished. Uh, I'm a buddy. Joey Chestnut is a buddy, and uh, so I've and Joey has won your your wing eating competition several sure. times here in Buffalo. Uh, he did shrimp eating. I finished fourth in a shrimp eating contest. Do you have to take was, the tails uh, off? Sanctioned. No, okay. no, this is St. Elmo shrimp, so it's with the you know really hot sauce. Oh lord! But the people that beat me were number one, number four, and like number eight in the world. So I figured as an amateur getting into this contest for the first time ever, if I was beat by you know three of the pe- the only three people that beat me were top ten in the world, I feel pretty good about that, and that's something to brag about. That is, that should be on your Wikipedia page. Now <laughs> it has the cocktail sauce on it, the St. Elmo shrimp. 
Okay. Oh, it, yeah. Oh, it yeah. does? Yeah, it comes with that on oh, Okay, because yeah. here's the thing. People in Buffalo who are listening to this, St. Elmo's Shrimp is it's famous. And, say, you know, you go there, and it's a combine staple. You go to this right. un, un, amazing steakhouse, one of the best steaks you'll ever eat. And then they have the shrimp cocktail with this cocktail sauce that is borderline inedible. And everybody says that you're a first timer. Oh, you got to try the shrimp cocktail. Well, I tried it once and once only, and I love shrimp. But this cocktail sauce is like flamethrower stuff. And uh, so bless you for having to shovel that down in an eating competition. Well, I do it every chance I get because I absolutely love it. And oh. uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I don't normally have a problem with it. A little bit of tearing up is no big deal. <laughs> or just, or tearing up your swallow whole, though. Tearing up in your eyes and tearing up your ulcer. That's right. <laughs> Joe Stasniak, uh, I kept you for longer than I wanted to, but uh, I was enjoying it too much. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Tim. Tearing up your ulcer, I caught myself. Yeah, I was did. thinking something else. Everybody else was finishing that sentence for me. Uh, my thanks again to Joe Stasniak for coming on and talking about uh, Chad Kelly and uh, uh, Andrew Luck and what's going on in Indianapolis. When we come back, we're going to have more with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, with Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein and Bronstein. LLC, and of Bobby Rosati, resident knob diddler that he is. On the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. Call them at 716-630-2400 for all your accounting and entrepreneurial business needs. You'll be hearing a little bit more from them than just my little promos. You're going to be hearing full ads from them as we produce them. Today's the first day. Uh... So more from everyone when we come back on The Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan, brought to you by CTBK. Tim. Hey, let's not fake a newcomer. It's cucumber. Our friend Tim Graham. Hey, Tim. And you, Tim. The Tim Graham Show. Tim Graham, who's been ahead of everyone else. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to The Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. For your accounting and entrepreneurial business needs, located in Amherst, you can ring them up at 630-2400. Assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, advice on acquisitions and mergers, anything else you can think of, all the things I need in my daily life. Just sitting around just a couple weeks ago thinking, you know, I need a couple of acquisitions. But you know what? I need to make sure I don't get merged with. Or maybe I want to do some merging. I was like, who do I call on this? CTBK is going to handle all that for me now. No? You, you don't I have probably nothing? could have used them a few weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> a week ago? Yeah. Not even a few weeks. Oh, do you, wait a minute. Do you mean when you got married? Well, yeah, I could have used them then, too, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Some big four basketball news emerging today, Jonah. What do you got on that? Well, Canisius, Canisius and Bonner just jointly announced they'll play each other on November 23rd downtown at Key Bank Center, which is the first time in 
a few years. I'd have to think back. Since since the NCAA tournament was here in 2016, I think that was the year, since anybody's played a college basketball game in the arena. And that'll be – it's to mark the 150th season of Canisius basketball and the 100th year of the rivalry, the Little Three rivalry with Canisius and St. Bonaventure. And also Damon will be part of it playing Wilmington earlier in the day at noon. So it's – I wouldn't call it a big four doubleheader because it's only two of the big four teams, but it's somewhat of a big four doubleheader, a college basketball doubleheader downtown back to the – 50s and 60s tradition at the odd and damon is a nationally ranked program so uh, it'll be it's good basketball and a little bonus little warm-up act for the canisha st bonaventure game although that'll be a big deal for damon playing i mean they do play at syracuse and ub in exhibition games but playing again in front of what will be a bigger crowd than you tend to get in some of these division two gyms that they play in what kind of matchup do you expect that to be canisha's versus st bonaventure based on the talent each school has from what i know now canisius has a lot of new guys i would pick bonna to be bonna is generally being an a10 school better than canisius is a max school and bonna's got a lot of good talent coming back after finishing strong but starting slow with a real young roster last year mark schmidt has that team in a really good spot i think for the next few years and canisius is rebuilding lost to kyle molson transferring to seton hall Isaiah Reese kicked off the team midseason. Those were their two best players. They have some new guys, some transfers, some freshmen, some JUCO players coming in, but it remains to be seen how good Canisius will be. I think they can be competitive in the MAC, but I wouldn't necessarily predict Canisius to beat St. Bonaventure, but you never know with some of these games. There's times a couple of years ago, Canisius was really not on UB's level overall and beat them downtown in the arena because they just played harder, made shots, and Reggie Witherspoon's a good coach that can get his team to play above its level often, especially in these type of environments. Especially early in the season, it seems like. He's, uh, you know, seems like he may have a, a, a motivational style that can wear on you as the season goes on, I guess. That has happened but, with te- his teams at UB and Canisius, absolutely. But, but early on, he's, and in he a can catch their attention. Game, he can get them up and playing above their level in a game and maybe that wears off by the end of the season but if the you know this is a this will be the biggest home crowd that they'll play in front of all season long and I think that that could bring out some of the best in Canisius it'll be interesting to see what the crowd's like first the overall number because it's been disappointing in some of these double headers and and games that they've tried to play downtown in the last few years Bonner travels well. Usually the game involving Bonner has the bigger crowd of the two doubleheader games. And so even though this is going to count as a Canisius home game, I would think it might be – it'll be a split crowd, but it might be more Bonner fans than Canisius fans in the gym, in the building, and that it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. All right, we're going to talk about – we'll get to some more colleges later in the show. We're also going to get into the Bills, obviously, when we come back after this break. We have Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic here in studio with us. Uh, fourth preseason game happening tomorrow night. Bills going up against uh, Minnesota, as if it matters really who the opponent is. Uh, but roster positions uh, up for grabs. Not many of them, but some interesting ones. Uh, that and more when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner. This is Sports Radio 1270 
The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. I did have an accident with a menorah Here we one. Go. On Twitter at 1270, a fan. Let mall taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh-oh. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show now brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. If you're a growing business or you have an entrepreneurial spirit, you need somebody to handle all your business consulting and whatchamajigs. Some money. These are the guys you want. CTBK, located in Amherst. You can call them at 630-2400-716 area code if you happen to be listening from out of town because they're not just limited to western New York. 716-630-2400 for CTBK. Brand spanking new sponsor of the Tim Graham Show. Great to have them aboard. Matthew Fairburn here in studio along with Jonah Bronstein as usual. Bobby Rosati on the board. And, uh, Matt, you, you have a story coming out tomorrow I've been looking forward to. Of course, being teammates that we are, we're always uh, updating each other on what we're working on. And this is a story you've been working on for a bit, and I've been waiting to see the final result. A uh, story about how the Bills settled on Josh Allen. as Not just how they scouted him, but how they came to this conclusion, how they became comfortable with him, uh, how they reconciled all of the different variables and came to believe he is the franchise quarterback. What more can you tell us about it without giving it away? But this is going to appear on The Athletic tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, if all goes according to plan. So, yeah, it was quite, quite an enlightening. You and I have talked before about how sometimes a year, two years, three years, ten years after the fact, you talk to people about a subject and they get a little bit more forthcoming. And so I was testing that theory here, and I thought Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen to an extent, Brian Dable were all pretty pretty honest about you know the year-long, essentially, process that went into it. And even before that, Sean McDermott, you know, in that window from when he got hired until the 2017 draft, you know, because I asked him why he was comfortable in 2018 versus 2017. And, you know, he wasn't, he didn't really shy away from the fact that the reason they picked a quarterback in 2018 was because of how thorough the evaluation process was from start to finish from Brandon Bean, Joe Shane, and their entire staff, as opposed to, when they got, you know, when he got there, was putting together a staff, doing whatever else uh, coaches do. He was redecorating the building in a lot of ways. He was really setting the tone for what the organization would be. And it wasn't until, you know, probably shortly before the draft or maybe a month before where it was pretty obvious that Doug Whaley wasn't going to have much of a future. There wasn't a lot of time in that window to be thoroughly scouting quarterbacks. And the downfall of that obviously was that Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson 
aren't Buffalo Bills or, you know, and they traded the pick that became Patrick Mahomes. But without all of that and without, you know, the fact that Josh Allen almost declared that year as well, uh, you know, there's a lot of little things that happened that even, you know, made that remotely a reality. So a lot of, a lot of fun little stuff, some of which they've talked about, some of which they haven't. And trying to put it all together in one definitive picture was my goal. Now, the Bills would not say anything derogatory about Josh Allen, of course. And they are not going to express regret over not drafting Patrick Mahomes, of course. But in researching the story and talking to people, what's your sense as to the level of concern or nervousness that they made the wrong pick? Or that they not the wrong pick because it wasn't one or the other. That's it was a chain of decisions that led them away from Patrick Mahomes, and then of course certain things had to happen in the order for Josh Allen to go to them at number seven, and they traded up and the whole thing. So what? Just as a guy who's been around the team, who's covered the NFL for as long as you have, where do you think that sits with them? The idea that they may have missed out on a superstar, uh, even though they could have won a of their own. Yeah, I think their confidence level in Josh Allen is legitimate. I'm not sure all of these people would have agreed necessarily to talk for this story and speak the way that they did if it wasn't legitimate because otherwise in 6 months you could turn around and be like, look at all these things they said. You know, they're pretty confident in in what they're saying. You would not have had a similar approach. Well, the access would have been totally different because it's a different front office and a different way of thinking. But had you wanted to interview Doug Whaley and Rex Ryan or Doug Marone about EJ Manuel's second going into his second season, as opposed to, uh, or you could have had Cam Newton if you ha- if you'd lost a couple more games or whatever, or if you would have how however that could have gone, which I wrote about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago when I wrote about the comparison of. Uh, Josh Allen to Cam Newton and interviewed Buddy Nix regarding that. Now, now that Buddy Nix is out of the organization and he has no trouble talking about those those decisions, but yeah, EJ Manuel did not generate the same amount of optimism that Josh Allen is right now. So you're right; they do have to be in a comf- at least that comfortable of a place to even agree to do this story. Exactly, and and the way the way they speak about him is. You know, they feel the same way I think a lot of fans feel about this guy. But I also think I I pick up on a just a tinge of defensiveness over the whole. Because, well, yeah, there's layers to it, right? You know, it was it's Sean McDermott was there and could have, you know, made the ultimate decision to take a quarterback. And he didn't but has his reasons uh, as he laid out. And the argument from Brandon Bean, which is probably the easiest one to make, is that he wasn't here. And the crux of everything that they did with Josh Allen and all the other quarterbacks in that draft is that it was a body of work. They knew they were going to take a quarterback and – they started Brandon Bean started the moment he was hired. You know, he knew that player wasn't on the roster. He didn't say it. 
at the time, but he knew it. And from there, the trades, the, you know, all the scouting trips he took in the fall, by the time they got to the Senior Bowl, they already felt they knew a lot about all of these quarterbacks, whereas by the time Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott didn't even go to the Senior Bowl, in fact, his his first year. Uh, he was still assembling his staff. Um, we spoke with Doug Whaley down there, but I don't think we spoke with Sean McDermott. And so completely different you know, situations and, and everything else, but the idea being that the body of work they did on the 2018 class made them more comfortable than Sean McDermott was in 2017, which definitely makes you wonder about the body of work that Doug Whaley had collected to that point. Because remember, he claims that he doesn't, he didn't scout underclassmen until they declared and Mahomes and Watson were both underclassmen. And yeah. And so <laughs> probably went into that off season without the wealth of information that, you know, Brandon Bean and, and Joe Shane and, and their staff had gathered. But not only that, you and I talked about this a little bit. Uh, I think it was in the press box last week. But, you know, if you use that as kind of a crutch, when you get one of these jobs, shouldn't that be, you know, 1A in your binder of things I'm going to do when I take over this organization? Exactly right. We heard all about how Sean McDermott was one of the most prepared job candidates that anybody has seen in a long time come along with his different binders and the things that he's collected since he was probably a college football player at William and Mary or maybe even before that the things that he was constantly doing he's a planner he's a planner he's a planner and every coach I mean unless you want to go back to Paul Brown and hell he even had Otto Graham but you go back to like maybe back the running back days uh Bum Phillips and Earl Campbell or whatever you had any quarterback knows or any coach knows that the quarterback's the most important position. So I'm sure he laid out uh, his plan for what he wanted to do when he sat down and was interviewed the first time, the second time by Terry Pagula, by Doug Whaley, what we're going to do at quarterback. He went into that draft room, I'm sure, with a strong opinion. But what? So, yes. So I think Sean McDermott can't be left off the hook there for if he missed on Patrick Mahomes or if he. Would took you? a back seat to Doug Whaley. But what what do you what do you think happened there? Cuz there have been quotes from Doug Whaley in which he's said I made the pick. He made the the comment that the he left the yeah. Bills with a, a a parting gift with an extra draft pick of the next year by trading back for Tredavious White. But and I guess that that's where it goes into do you, if Doug Whaley did make that pick, should he have um I don't know. It, would that have added? That could have added to the dysfunction. I don't know. But what do you think happened there? It's, Who was in charge of that draft room in 2017? It to me, there's no way that you can convince me it wasn't Sean McDermott because the only way we could find out is if both guys came out and said, or I guess maybe Terry Pagula can come out and say, or somebody, and everybody is in agreement. Because what it does is it makes me think back on that time, and, and I rail on it always uh regarding those 2000s that after john butler left as the general manager that misguided time or i guess i should say after tom donahoe was fired where nobody wanted to take the blame everything was diluted 
You didn't know if it was Russ Brandon, if it was Dick Duran, if it was Tom Modrak, if it was Buddy Nix. If it, you didn't know, uh, it was just every uh, everybody had these jobs, but nobody knew really who was in charge. Jim Overdorf emerged as uh, as uh, a potential Oz figure uh, puppeteering behind the curtains, but I don't know that that was true. But we didn't know, and so it's similar to that. Like unless people come out and confess. And even if they do come out and say, I don't know that I'd be skeptical to believe them. I'd need a chorus of people to say, this is what happened. Because you could never get a straight answer from the Bills back then. So I still have that in my system of, if you want to tell me that, it's natural to come out and say, Doug Whaley botched that. Or didn't didn't pick Patrick Mahomes. He's the easy scapegoat. But like you say, it's hard to believe that somebody with a stronger personality and vision that Sean McDermott had, and as much as the Pagulas were charmed by him immediately, and as much as Doug Whaley had destroyed his credibility with that end-of-season news conference in which he was not privy to anything and came out looking like an idiot, uh, that the Pagulas would just shrug and say, all right, Doug, you're still in charge. uh, uh, Sean, you just sit back and you know maybe give some advice to our general manager here, but Doug's in charge. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. The part of it that will never make sense to me is the idea that, you know, Terry Pagula did not wake up that Sunday morning and say, you know what, it's time to fire Doug Whaley and all these scouts. Let's get him out of here. That draft wasn't good enough. That was a weeks in advance. I will. I remember being at the owners meetings that year in Arizona and almost everybody had left. And I remember seeing Doug Whaley with his family there and just thinking he was kind of hanging around. And, you know, you compare it now, the the longer you're around and the more you see different people doing different things. You know, Brandon Bean was rushing off to pro days. Uh, I believe they saw Ed Oliver that week. Um, Doug, Whaley was, Doug Whaley was still there at that owner's meeting with his wife and child. Just lingering around. The three and, of them. And, yeah. you know, seemingly at, at that point, I remember thinking – He's probably just enjoying the last month or so on the job uh, and trying to forget about what's about to, to happen. But the the question is, like, why would you, knowing that guy is getting fired, at that point you probably knew in March or April, whenever it was, and then you say, you go ahead and, and run this draft. You go ahead and trade these picks. You go ahead and set the course of our franchise in whatever direction you choose, and then we'll fire you. However, this is one wrinkle that I think would justify the way that they did play it out, and I think it's plausible, is that Sean McDermott comes in, and clearly, in the scenario that you just said, and I think in common sense, it's a common sense scenario you just laid out, Sean McDermott comes in and has zero trust or faith in that scouting department. And yet Sean McDermott is not a scout. He's been coaching and he doesn't know these college players. They need some scouts to get them through this draft. It's the pro it's why you, why you see the scouts and GMs get fired after a draft the, the new coach, he, Sean McDermott would have been handicapped. He would not have been able to run a draft without, but what he so, could have done is, but do you trust the Bills scouts who have botched every Every right. pick before, who who could not see that Khalil Mack was going to be an otherworldly player, even though his pro day was in your own building, you know, if you you couldn't see that, there was nobody in this in the staff that was going to stand up on the table and say, "I don't care, we're taking Khalil Mack," 
Uh, we're not going to – who Sammy Watkins was that draft. No. I mean, these are all the scouts. So I could see that as, all right, we need to get through this draft, but I can't afford to bank on the opinions of these Jabroni. failures. Of these failures, right. These guys have just done nothing but fail, and I'm going to – I'm going to hope that they've evaluated the most important player in the position or the most important position in the, uh, of our franchise. And we don't, these are the guys who thought EJ Manuel was it. So as much as we can see that Patrick Mahomes is it, Sean McDermott didn't know unless he's, you know, who's he going to rely on for that opinion? And Probably most got, mo- Andy Reid didn't know. Right? Right. He's like, Hey Andy, can you help me out here with a little guidance? And he's like, ah, there's nobody worth taking in this draft. <laughs> just give me that pick. Yeah. Trade back and get a defender. I don't think there's uh, yeah, there's a quarterback worth a damn in here. Uh, my my protege Sean McDermott. So, I think yeah. what maybe you could convince me of is he was using the baseline information that was gathered and forming his own conclusions. Because you look at the guys that they picked; those are very much Sean McDermott guys. And you know, I think it's possible that. With the quarterback position in particular that he just felt, I can't trust this, even this baseline information I'm working off of, of which there probably wasn't a lot because those guys were underclassmen. That's yeah, And so all the background info and, and things like that that you feel you really need at that position. Now, my other question about the entire thing is, and I recognize that that was a very hectic few months for Sean McDermott putting together his staff doing whatever else. And I've asked this question not quite knowing the answer, but how long do you need to scout a quarterback? Because Brandon Bean talked about in at on St. Patrick's Day when, when the Jets made that trade. And he said he was he couldn't have made that trade because he hadn't met all those guys yet. The funny thing I learned was that they were actually on the field in Laramie, Wyoming, working out Josh Allen when Joe Shane got an alert on his phone that the Jets had traded. And they're all sitting there thinking, oh, geez, like, we're not going to get this guy. Like, we're not going to be able to – none of this matters. Sean McDermott's quote was, what are we doing this for? Like, And so Brandon Bean's point was, we can't ma- – we couldn't have made that trade because we hadn't met all these guys. And until I did that, I didn't know how many I would trade up for, who was worth the top ten, what they were worth. But all of that came in March. And so all that stuff that, you know, he saw on tape, I don't think drastically changed from what he was telling me from August until December. There was a few guys that moved here and there. But what really broke a lot of the ties and, you know, helped them establish their rankings was all this work they did essentially in March, a lot of it in March and some at the Senior Bowl because Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield were there. So how long do you need if you're Sean McDermott? He's a co- but he's a coach's coach. He's a defensive coach to come in and say this is going to be our quarterback would be it a would have pretty, been bold. Would have been ballsy. And you're right. And it could have it could have totally nuked his future. It would right right in, right then and there. The problem with it is, you know, he and I don't know. I don't think I totally. And we're late him. to a break. You know what? Let's hold that. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about that some more. We, we still have some time. We can get into it uh, here on the Tim Graham Show. Here with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. Uh, he has a great story that's about to drop tomorrow regarding this whole process. It's going to be on The Athletic, uh, so make sure you check it out. Uh, Jonah Bronstein's here. Uh, we have some more college stuff to get into. Bobby Rosati uh, handling the show, doing a great job uh, with juggling a lot of balls. 
Um, Andy's doing stuff. On the Tim Graham okay. Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants uh, for all your entrepreneurial business and growing business needs. Call 716-630-2400 for CTBK here on the Tim Graham Show. I don't want to just uh, do a slap and tickle here. Yeah, slap and tickle can get us in trouble these days. Yeah, I'd give you consent, Ernie, so it's uh, no issue for me. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Get into it after the hour when we have more time to uh, spread our legs a little bit. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan, The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. Now, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. We're going to pepper you with some CTBK ads. Going to get them professionally done. Just added CTBK today. And uh, looking forward to this relationship. And... There are sports reasons why I'm looking forward to this relationship. Actual content on the Tim Graham Show brought to you by CTBK. That you can share? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The Kirshner in the CTBK is Gene Kirshner, Buffalo News horse racing rider. We've had Joel Staniszewski on, and we're going to have him. He's coming back next week, by the way. For all your betting needs. We're not afraid to talk about gambling on the Tim Graham Show. Especially now it's legal. Gene Kirshner, horse racing expert. Well, we'll get into that with Gene when he's on the show next. Let's do that. About the accounting aspect of it, because there's so much that goes into picking winners. Are Are you anybody in here a horse guy? I have been to... Um... Saratoga. Yeah, but I mean to read the daily racing forum and to know all that stuff. No, definitely not. I used to be able to do it. I just it, it atrophied for me uh, back when I lived in Las Vegas and and going to all you could you know, obviously do all the tracks from around the world. You can go and bet, and um, so I used to get into it a little bit. I mean, dabbled. But yeah, reading the daily racing form, it probably is as intimidating to some people as doing your taxes. All the different figures and things that you can look at. and Although, I don't want to cast any dispersions on CTBK. You know, taxes are supposed to be pretty black and white. I hope I'm not telling tales out of school here. It's not like horse racing is so objective that you can look and actually predict who the winner is. And know exactly how much you have to pay the government at the end of the day. That's right. I think my analogy is not quite working here. That's why we need Gene to come on and I can actually talk to him. This is a, he's, a, he's a numbers guy. Number, gamble, if you're, you know what? Here's, this is an aside. It has nothing to do with Gene Kirshner, really. I guess it does. People who are good at, at gambling and handicapping, like Joel Staniszewski, 
poker players. I got into poker for a while, and there are some people out there, two styles of poker players believed to be. There's the mathematical poker player and the, the feel poker player. Mm-hmm. I'm a feel poker player. I, I played for uh, competitively for about four years. But I knew that it was a, that I'd be so much better if I was mathematical at it. If I knew the way to break down a number exactly and to know when to go for a certain wager, uh, when I was pot committed, when it was too late to back out of a, pot, a big pot, or when I should bet a little bit more, even though I probably had a losing hand because it was worth the odds. You know, there's all kinds of things that go into it. And I think that's why you also see daily fantasy. Yes. People who are involved in daily fantasy, a, a lot of the successful ones are former professional poker players. These are people who set forth algorithms and all the predictive type of uh, mathematical equations that they put in. It's amazing. I, I, if you don't know math, you are at quite a disadvantage. And I think that that's where the I'm, – I'm intimidated to gamble – Sometimes because of the numbers aspect of it, because I'm a little bit too, uh, inst- I go on gut a little too much. And, uh, and it's the same thing with like doing your accounting, <laughs> doing yeah. your books. It's like, I don't want to sit down and have to do this. It's why people hire accountants. All right. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to yeah. misstep. Same way with, I don't want to get audited. Right. Gambling is intimidating more and more when you realize how much the smart people have yeah, it's, it's, an advantage. It's, Daily fantasy it almost sucked the fun out of it when it Absolutely. was like, I have I, no I'm not going to do daily fantasy cuz I'm throwing away my money because I'm going up against a guy who has a computer set up to run 50 team or more. Oh, well, he's got a thousand more. he's got a thousand teams playing the 7 o'clock baseball games and with one weather change he can press a button and change all of his lineups immediately. Meanwhile, I'm like fumbling through saying, "Oh, there's a rain delay." And then by that time I'm closed out and he's and he wins. He's already got my my money's gone before the first pitch has been thrown. There are guys that win with insane volume and they're okay with losing for 4 or 5 days in a row, losing 3, 4,000 dollars knowing that the big payday is coming. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read Dueling with Kings. Um, the book that uh, I want to—I don't want to mispronounce his name. Daniel Barbarisi. Uh, He's—he actually works for the Athletic. He's an editor in Boston. He quit his job at the Wall Street Journal to write that book. And in it, read it, and you'll never play daily fantasy again. Well, I wrote a story about it. I got so fed up with those commercials, those promo code commercials that were coming out about four or five years ago God. or so, and I wrote a takeout piece about it yeah. and about how your money's gone. Like it is it. Like you, it's. Anyways, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to have, uh, we almost had uh, Rob Gronkowski on today. There are odds in Vegas about whether or not Rob Gronkowski is going to come back. And I was going to ask him, like, what stops him from betting on it? Like, if he's not coming back and he doesn't have to owe anything well, to the yeah, NFL. How does that, if he knows he's, if he's not coming back, right, that is exactly, that's a good point. When like, do when those did, bets cash out? It's a good point. There are people who think he's coming back. I, I'm not. He looks quite skinny. Yeah, he's he doesn't he's not going to play football this year. That's for sure. He, he says he could. He said as, there was a statement in that uh, video clip yesterday that he said he could play right now if he had to. Mm-hmm. He said hands down, he could play wide receiver at his current weight. Don't we think? Sure. He might not be able to come back and play the same way. He's lost. What do you think? 30, 40 pounds. It's hard to say when you get guys that big. I bet you he's still you know he's still probably 
made of muscle. He looks thinner now, or as thin now, as I remember him as a high school player. But he lost muscle weight, too. Things like that. He lost a lot of muscle. How quick could he put it back on? Probably quickly. Probably put weight back on, but putting the muscle back on would be a different story. I bet it would come back pretty easily (laughs) for a guy like that. A little bit easier for for him than you or <laughs> I, one of Bobby. A million dollars down on will play this year or Oof. won't play this, or he just tells his brother. I mean, he's always tell his a buddy, you know, hey, uh, you know what, uh, you yeah. maybe want to put a five thousand dollars down on that. Nothing too big, nothing that would. Yeah, raise because eyebrows. I might change my, yeah. I might, I could change my mind, but I'm coming back <laughs> in, to de- raise eyebrows. in December. Like or whenever the deadline is, there is a deadline for guys to be on the postseason roster. You have to be on the active roster by a certain point. But but to answer your question, Tim, the books that set these lines wouldn't care if he did that, because all they're looking, you know, all they're looking for is equal people to bet on the sure. same side, and they would balance it out. And it, this happens a lot in pro wrestling. There's people that know what's going to happen in pro wrestling, and there's odds out there as if it's a real sport, and we don't know. And people will place these bets, and if they put too much money on one side. They had to adjust the line, and the books react to that. So there's really, if Rob Gronkowski wanted to bet on himself in this way, I don't think that's some sort of gambling scandal. I looked at it a little more closely. It is for the 2019 regular season. So it's even, it is, I mean, again, he's going to have to be on a roster. What are the odds? Because I will would Rob, no. Will Rob Gronkowski play for the New England Patriots at any point of the 2019 regular season? Yes is 5-1. to one. So if you were to bet. Hundred dollars, you get you win five hundred. No is minus one thousand or one to ten. Uh, so if you bet a hundred dollars, you win ten bucks. Not worth it. No. Gambling is never worth it, kids. It's a safe bet. If you bet a million dollars to win, what would that be? A hundred thousand. Then it maybe is it worth it then? Certainly, a hundred thousand dollars, a million to bet a million to win a hundred. If you knew, uh, I'm saying well, you'd if, have oh, to, you'd knew, need the inside sure. information. You'd still be sweating it out that Rob <laughs> doesn't, you know, get hit by a car, or uh, you know, or may get decides to come well, back. Getting hit by a car and would be gets, great for or the gets no hurt bet. in practice. Or if you have the yes, so you, let's say you put down a. Oh, see, the yes might be worth a little bit of scratch, but the no is not worth anything. I don't think. Oh, it's uh, you'd have to put up a ton of money. Right, which I don't have, and which I would not feel very comfortable in November that maybe Rob wakes up and says, I changed my mind. Yeah, nah. The goofball that he is. Yeah, yeah it's not, uh, this isn't Andrew Luck's uh, mentality we're dealing no. with. Would you bet on him? Andrew Luck? Coming back or not? If I had inside info. See, here's the thing <laughs> is if Andrew Luck told me, I'd be like, all right, take it to the bank. Yeah, yeah. If Rob Gronkowski tells me, I'd be like, all right, thanks, man. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I don't know. What do we think about some of that speculation that when Andrew Luck comes back, it's going to be to play for his dad in the XFL? Oh, no way. No. Not The money's not there. The, the line protection wouldn't be wouldn't there. I mean, he... If he's hurt playing in the NFL, I mean, to go in the XFL where you got reject linemen, you know, no. What about Rob Gronkowski playing in the XFL? Maybe a little WWE. <laughs> Some, like that's a, what he wanted. A, a dual that contract. I could get on board with. Some that sort, yeah. I could buy. Some sort of services contract with the WWE where he plays football and does wrestling. How about all five Gronkowskis on the same team in the XFL? And they call him the Gronks. I'd watch it. It's and then the, the Survivor Series. <laughs> And then they have an obstacle course, like they're doing at at New Era Field. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk, well, we've kind of been winging it here, and I I don't mind it. I think we've been uh, doing 
I've, I've been enjoying this. So we're going to wing it for one more segment. Hey, that's what the folks at Shampoo Travis, B-Saw, and Kirshner are paying for, for us just to show up and wing it. <laughs> this is what you're going to get, boys. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Shampoo Travis, B-Saw, and Kirshner. CTBK for all you hipsters out there. More after this. Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show is to entertain, inform, and to provoke thought. What happens if you flick it? On Twitter at 1270 The Fan. Buffalo, New York. Taking your calls at 270 1270. Did you ever run so fast? Yes, I do have mnemonic devices that the we will Tim have. Grimm show. Prominent, prominent listener sent uh, this gift to me. I will have a big unveiling. Jim Brown's still a free agent. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you now by Shampoo Travis, Besaw and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants based in Amherst. For all your entrepreneurial and growing business needs, call 630-2400, 716 area code, for those listening outside Western New York, because they will handle your business too, 716-630-2400. Jonah Bronstein was telling me earlier today there's a pretty cool soccer note that ties in uh, the World Cup with Western New York. What is that, Jonah? Well, it's basketball, but uh, the FIBA World Cup. FIBA, otherwise, not FIFA. Yeah, FIBA. Otherwise, in years past, it's been just called the World Championships. Maybe that's where you got confused. How about my brain, the, the FIBA World Cup? I think a lot of these players probably did play soccer at some point in their lives. I saw a story today uh, about quarterbacks, uh, and they all played shortstop. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, the the best athlete always plays shortstop. So if you get to be an NFL quarterback, you probably played shortstop if you played baseball. The cool kid plays quarterback, and he plays shortstop. And he plays shortstop. And if you made it to the National Hockey League, you probably played shortstop and pitched. Maybe. Just like the NFL quarterback. Yeah, That'd I would have thought pitcher. Study. I would have thought a lot of them were pitchers. You can't, oh, can't, you pitch, can, every can't pitch every day. Got to have another I position. I bet you a lot of hockey players played catcher. I'm going to do a case study, find you know. out this answer. You I found know. hockey players are very good at golf. You don't know. Especially around the green. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, right, so back this to starts, the basketball. It's in, it's in China this year, and it starts on Saturday. The FIBA World Cup. Not FIFA World Cup, but FIBA World Cup, Jonah. Get it straight. I'm writing it down. Starts Saturday. U.S. team plays on Sunday. There's been a lot of talk about that depleted roster, and they're down to – they still have very good NBA players, but not the top NBA players, and there's thoughts that any number of teams, Serbia, Australia, France, Spain, Greece, because all those players do have their NBA talent, could beat the U.S. But another team in the power rankings that I have saw that is seventh – is the Nigerian national team, 
coached by Erie Community College coach Alex Nuora, Damon player years ago, and his son Jordan Nuora, who's at Louisville, is if not the best player on the team, probably going to be their leading scorer. He's maybe their best offensive shooting player. There's some other NBA players, Al Farouk Amino, among others on the team. But last year when they were qualifying, Wara was their leading scorer. He went on to be the leading scorer at Louisville this past year, entered the NBA draft, but pulled his name out before the deadline and is going back to Louisville for his junior season. I'm looking for odds on this, but VegasInsider.com you know, I got to look. It's college or NBA. It doesn't, uh, I don't see any basketball. I wanted to see what some of these matchups were and how they would compare to UB football, which is a 48 point favorite over Robert Morris uh, tomorrow night uh, in Amherst. An interesting thing there, at least since they've been playing Division One football the last 20 years, 21 years, UB's never won by 48 or more points. Their biggest margin of victory is 44. Robert Morris is a one double A program, though. You're not supposed to be able to bet, at least in Vegas, I don't think, unless they drop that standard. At least back when I lived there, it was uh, when a one A team played a one double A team, you couldn't bet on it. Uh, but there were ways to do an offshore odd. You were when I was covering the UNLV football team, we would come up with something. So yeah, forty eight points. So not even against. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think who some of UB's uh, early. Uh, early season or openers were, which I like to consider preseason well, games. Last year they beat Delaware State by 38 points. Delaware State. 48-10. to 10. It was 48-3 to three after three quarters. And that's kind of the problem with if you were to bet on UB to cover this 48-point spread. If they get a 35-point lead in the first half, they're going to stop throwing the ball at some point. They're not going to try to pad that victory total. So they might be capable of beating Robert Morris by – 50-plus points, but once they have that 30-point lead, I don't know how hard they're going to try to extend that. I was able to find uh, Bet Online uh, has some odds uh, to win it all, not the individual matchups. I'm talking about the FIBA World Cup uh, basketball, which starts on Saturday. U.S. is a minus-225 favorite, which, well, I mean, I get it. Uh, but if Serbia is next at plus-350, so bet ten dollars it'll win you thirty five. Greece is next at plus one thousand. Hey, uh, Lithuania plus five thousand. Argentina is plus eight thousand. I mean, where's Poland? Where's Venezuela in here? That's what I want to know. I want the point spreads on those. Where's Nigeria? Nigeria, good one. Uh, wow, there are a lot of teams in this thing. Venezuela is plus. Let me count these zeros. One, two, three. It is plus 100,000. If you bet a dollar, I guess if they'll take it, $2 minimum, I don't know, you will win $200,000. Tunisia also is there, as are the Philippines, Senegal, South Korea, Jordan, Japan, Ivory Coast, Angola. I don't know if that's Angola High School here. New York. Uh, Let's see, Nigeria. Plus twenty five thousand. So, those are long odds. Those are long odds. Uh, Nigeria not getting a, a good run in, in Vegas. Uh, they also have the same odds as Poland and uh, the dynasty that is Montenegro. So, that's not Serbia and Montenegro, just Montenegro. 
<laughs> it's just Montenegro. That's right. I don't see Trinidad or Tobago in here, uh, strangely enough. I want to play a quick game with you here, Tim. Matt, you can play too. I'm going to name some of these NBA players on the U.S. roster and just tell me real quick if you know who they are. Oh, I'm terrible at this. Do you know? I mean, well, but this is supposed to be the best players in the world, or at least maybe sometimes you don't get the very best on the World Cup team. Okay. Not in the Olympic year, but you usually get the next tier. Okay. And some of those players are there. You now, know, here's the thing where I'm going to be embarrassed because I'm going to show that I don't know my college think, basketball. No, this isn't to embarrass you. My point I'm trying to make is... It's like when I asked Larry Holmes to go through the rankings of the heavyweights a handful of years ago for a story. Larry Holmes, former world champion, I said, hey, you want to go through the top 10 rankings? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And he was like, nope. This is kind of nope. like if Scooter Vertino's nope. listening, they play on TNT with Charles Barkley, who he played for. <laughs> So I'll name this NBA player that's on the Team USC, and you can tell These me. These are NBA players, not college They're all players. NBA players. Who do you right. play for? Okay. All right. Joe Harris. I don't know. The Hawks. Milwaukee. Brooklyn Nets. Led the NBA in three-point shooting last year. Of course. See? Already making us look foolish. Well, Thanks, this, Jonah. Th- this one I don't even know myself after free agency. Mason Plumley. Oh, he's uh, with, the, uh, with the Timberwolves. I Still know on Denver. Is. Okay, I, I thought he changed he teams. Denver Nuggets. I'm going to say every answer with conviction. Yeah. Oh, it must have been free agency. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be. Oh, he was, he was, he was with the he was with Timberwolves last time I looked. He's been with Denver a couple of years now. He's been on a lot of teams. <laughs> Played it too. He's always, but he's won a gold medal with the USA team the last time they were in this. I think it, he might have been on the Olympic roster too. Oh, well then. There's like half a dozen Celtics on this team, which would be too easy for Matt. I won't name them. Derek White. I don't know who that is. Spurs? He, uh, there you go, Bobby. Started point guard for the Spurs last year. Miles Turner. The Pacers. Oh, there you go. The rest of these guys I think you would know. But I was kind of making a little bit of a point here that uh, yeah. we got. I mean, this is Team USA, not necessarily the dream team. And you got guys that, you know, I'd say casual NBA fans have never heard of. Or Why really is Serbia plus 350? Do they have guys we yes. know? Nikola Jokic. No, I know him. Luka Doncic. I think Goran Dragic might be playing as well. Is Jonas Jerebko in this tournament? Jonas Jerebko is not in this tournament. Jonas Jerebko also not in the NBA anymore. Oh, Bobby, we have a call, and I happen to know who this is. Oh, He's a, It's friend of the show, Chris Baker, calling well, in. Well, Chris He's Baker is on the say. line. What do you want? Hey, Chris. This is not Chris Baker. <laughs> That'd be embarrassing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> Who's is high pitch? From, this is Warrington from Hamburg. I see. <laughs> Who's Chris Baker? I, I I had a quick question if we can settle a bet here. Uh oh. Um, with the final bills cut. Okay. You have a second to do this? Yes, so, we do. We have we have three minutes. Now, if you've done this already on the show, I apologize, but you have to understand I've been selling toilet paper and, and toner and doing other things and I haven't heard your whole show. But if it boils down to one roster spot left, T J Yeldon or Norris Perry slash O.J. Simpson, who gets that spot and why? I'm going to say, this is just my guess, are we? I think it's, I'll say Sonoris Perry for special teams purposes. Because if it's down to one spot, that's that's part of the... The the, uh, The tiebreaker. The hypothesis here. Okay. uh, Then you have too many, you have three running backs already who play, who don't play special teams. In Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Devin Singletary. So 
TJ Yeldon, you're adding yet another running back who doesn't play special teams. And I think that you're thinning out your one of your units. That's my reasoning. They've sprinkled TJ Yeldon in on special teams a little bit, but he had never played it before this year. I think TJ Yeldon would earn that spot because of what he does in the passing game, what he does on offense. I think he's far superior as a as a runner to Perry and they signed him to a two-year deal. I know it wouldn't be impossible to cut him. And earlier in the training camp, I would have said that Perry would would get it, the the job over Yeldon. But Perry's also hurt right now, and uh, not doing himself any favors there. The best ability, Tim, is availability. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard that. TJ Yeldon has it at the moment, so I'm going Yeldon. I, so I, you know, I tend to agree with Matthew here. I think that Yeldon, as a position player, forget special teams for a second, I, and I don't want to, you know, down the important special teams, but Yeldon is a far superior running back, right? By definition, a running back. Yes. Is this a real conversation? Uh, a far, you're right, real? a far superior running back, but he's the fourth, you'd be the fourth running back. Understood. Pass, Understood. Best pass, maybe the best passing down back they have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which might have more hmm. value than special teams. So is this good a real blocker, conversation? Good in empty sets. Is this a real conversation that you think that... You're not dreaming it. We're having this conversation. Well, okay, now is this being done at one Bill's Drive, not by us? I think so. Yeah, Yeah, I think think that's that's where you get down to the nitty-gritty of the last guys. It's what else they can do, because you're not talking about starters, obviously. Once you start getting into second stringers at certain positions and definitely third stringers at almost every position, it's what else can they do. You don't ever have a third stringer on your team who only does that thing, with the exception of quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I don't think the Bills are going to keep three quarterbacks. So, yeah, you're talking about. Uh, I think special teams comes into play on most final roster cuts. No, I agree with that. I agree with. That. I think it's a tough one for them. I think it's a tough one for them because, well, Shady's look good, right? Yes, he has. As has okay. Frank Gore and, and LaShawn McCoy both. And, of course, Devin Singletary has everybody excited. And so that's why I go, when I get to that fourth slot, I want the best special teamer. Interesting. But okay. there is an injury involved, as Matthew says. Yeldon has looked pretty good. Uh, you know, maybe one, maybe there's uh, the revocable injured reserve situation. Um, I think that's what we just had with Mike Love there. Yeah, that's true, too. uh, There was some Bills news today. Mike Love was placed on injured reserve, and Stephen Hauschka signs a two-year, $8 million extension. But but thank you, caller. Uh, Please don't be a stranger. No, maybe we can continue this later this evening. Is that on or what? Well, there's a a draft that is taking place, and that is going to be a little closer to your home than we normally go. It's going to be at uh, Resurgence. I'll see you there, then. Okay, come on down. Help me draft. It's on. Let's go. All right. Thanks. That's Chris Baker from The Athletic. I couldn't breathe. Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Did we get all of our FIBA out of our system, Jonah, after I stumbled over uh, the FIFA versus FIBA? Yeah, I guess. I'm a little upset with Chris calling in and cutting off our segment here. I've got a question for He's asked a variation of that question like four times this summer. He's obsessed with who the fourth running back is going to be. He's hot on that. He likes talking about OJ. I think that's his. I have a FIBA question for you. Okay. What do you think the odds would be for Serbia and Montenegro if they were combined? In the past, when they were combined, they were very good. 
Because if Serbia's got that that strong of odds, imagine if they could add some depth. I can't off the top of my head think of a Montenegro player active right now, but both of those countries have had strong programs for years. And whenever they were combined, you know, 88, 92, something around then, they were one of the strongest programs in the world. Iran, plus 75,000. So uh, put down, uh, maybe that's that's where you want to go. Can you imagine if Iran won the... The Venezuela bet is very enticing. If Iran won FIBA or FIFA, would be something. I mean, they'd probably have a better chance at the FIFA, but probably. But yeah, theoretically, I don't know though. I feel like it's harder to win FIFA, right? But there are like fifty-eight teams in this in this FIBA business. Yeah, but it's like Brooks Kepka says with golf. He's like, I know. 60 of the guys have no chance. You can take the field uh, in the FIBA World Cup. It's plus 180. I think that's what I'd do. Just hope for an upset. I don't even know if that's against the U.S. you're talking about or against yeah, Serbia. The U.S. is minus 225, and the field would be plus 180. No, I, the field. You get all the other teams. But against the U.S., that's how you lose, right? Yeah, if yeah. the U.S. wins it. The, yeah. If the U.S. doesn't win, then you win the bet. I don't think the U.S. is the favorite. I, I don't know if there's one team I'd put over them as the favorite, but... Australia, Spain, Serbia, they not only do they have good NBA players and talent, but they've been playing together for years and it isn't hasn't been thrown together with a lot of players backing out the same way it's happened for the US and also Canada. And I would I wouldn't say I would be surprised if the US wins, but I'd be impressed and I don't really expect the US to win this tournament. All right, we got to hit the break here. Not the it's not the break. It's the end of the show. We're headlong into a concrete Barrier. The week-long break. Hey, Shampoo Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, hope you aren't disappointed by your uh, first efforts here today, or my first efforts to spit it all out. I got I got a name wrong once or twice because it's a little bit of a tongue twister. I gave out the wrong phone number uh, once. But we'll get this ironed out. You know what? This one's on the Something house. Something to build on. CTBK, this one's on the house. Yeah. <laughs> they don't uh, have to pay this week. We'll start... We'll start next week. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next week with the first regular season NFL show to talk about the Bills and the Jets next week on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs, business consultants. Radio 1270, The Fan. These unintended indiscretions...